Letter 19 of Letters of John Keats to His Family and Friends, edited by Sidney Colvin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. To Benjamin Bailey, Hampstead, about November 1st, 1817. My dear Bailey, so you have got a curacy. Good. But I suppose you will be obliged to stop among your Oxford favorites during term time. Never mind. When do you preach your first sermon? Tell me, for I shall propose to the two R's to hear it. So don't look into any of the old corner oaken pews, for fear of being put out by us. Poor Johnny Moultrie can't be there. He is ill, I expect, but that's neither here nor there. All I can say, I wish him as well through it as I am like to be. For this fortnight I have been confined at Hampstead. Saturday evening was my first day in town when I went to Rice's, as we intend to do every Saturday till we know not when. We hit upon an old gent we had known some years ago, and had a very pleasant day. In this world there is no quiet, nothing but teasing and snubbing and vexation. My brother Tom looked very unwell yesterday, and I am for shipping him off to Lisbon. Perhaps I ship there with him. I have not seen Mrs. Reynolds since I left you, wherefore my conscience smites me. I think of seeing her tomorrow. Have you any message? I hope Glyde came soon after I left. I don't suppose I've written as many lines as you have read volumes, or at least chapters, since I saw you. However, I am in a fair way now to come to a conclusion in at least three weeks, when I assure you I shall be glad to dismount for a month or two although I'll keep as tight a rein as possible till then, nor suffer myself to sleep. I will copy for you the opening of the fourth book, in which you will see from the manner I had not an opportunity of mentioning any poets, for fear of spoiling the effect of the passage by particularizing them. Thus far I had written when I received your last, which made me, at the sight of the direction, caper for despair, but for one thing I am glad that I have been neglectful, and that is, therefrom I have received a proof of your utmost kindness, which at this present I feel very much, and I wish I had a heart always open to such sensations, but there is no altering a man's nature, and mine must be radically wrong, for it will lie dormant a whole month. This leads me to suppose that there are no men thoroughly wicked, so as never to be self-spiritualized into a kind of sublime misery. But alas, tis but for an hour. He is the only man who has kept watch on man's mortality, who has philanthropy enough to overcome the disposition to an indolent enjoyment of intellect, who is brave enough to volunteer for uncomfortable hours. You remember in Hazlitt's essay on commonplace people, he says, they read the Edinburgh and Quarterly, and think as they do. Now, with respect to Wordsworth's gypsy, I think he is right, and yet I think Hazlitt is right, and yet I think Wordsworth is rightest. If Wordsworth had not been idle, he had not been without his task, nor had the gypsies. They in the visible world had been as picturesque an object as he in the invisible. The smoke of their fire their attitudes, their voices, were all in harmony with the evenings. It is a bold thing to say, and I would not say it in print, 
but it seems to me that if Wordsworth had thought a little deeper at that moment, he would not have written the poem at all. I should judge it to have been written in one of the most comfortable moods of his life. It is a kind of sketchy intellectual landscape, not a search after truth. Nor is it fair to attack him on such a subject, for it is with the critic as with the poet. Had Hazlitt thought a little deeper and been in a good temper, he would never have spied out imaginary faults there. The Sunday before last, I asked Hayden to dine with me, when I thought of settling all matters with him in regard to Cripps, and let you know about it. Now, although I engaged him a fortnight before, he sent illness as an excuse. He never will come. I have not been well enough to stand the chance of a wet night, and so have not seen him, nor been able to expurgatorize more masks for you, but I will not speak. Your speakers are never doers. Then, Reynolds, every time I see him and mention you, he puts his hand to his head and looks like a son of Niobe's, but he'll write soon. Rome, you know, was not built in a day. I shall be able, by a little perseverance, to read your letters offhand. I am afraid your health will suffer from overstudy before your examination. I think you might regulate the thing according to your own pleasure. And I would, too. They were talking of your being up at Christmas. Will it be before you have passed? There is nothing, my dear Bailey, I should rejoice at more than to see you comfortable with a little Piona wife. An affectionate wife, I have a sort of confidence, would do you a great happiness. May that be one of the many blessings I wish you. Let me be but the one-tenth of one to you, and I shall think it great. My brother George's kindest wishes to you. My dear Bailey, I am your affectionate friend, John Keats. I should not like to be pages in your way, when in a tolerable, hungry mood you have no mercy. Your teeth are like the rock tarpeian down which you capsize epic poems like mad. I would not for forty shillings be Coleridge's lays in your way. I hope you will soon get through this abominable writing in the schools, and be able to keep the terms with more comfort in the hope of retiring to a comfortable and quiet home out of the way of all Hopkinses and black beetles. When you are settled, I will come and take a peep at your church, your house, try whether I have grown too lusty for my chair by the fireside, and take a peep at my earliest bower. A question is the best beacon towards a little speculation. Then ask me after my health and spirits, this question ratifies in my mind what I have said above. Health and spirits can only belong unalloyed to the selfish man. The man who thinks much of his fellows can never be in spirits. You must forgive, though I have only written three hundred lines. They would have been five, but I have been obliged to go to town. Yesterday I called at Lambs. St. Jane looked very flush when I first looked in, but was much better before I left. End of letter 19